Podcasting from London, Ontario, Canada. This is The Lovers, The Dreamers, and You. An interview show where creative people talk about what inspires them to pursue their dreams and do what they love. And now, your host, Karis Thomas. All right, here we are in the beautiful former Galleria Mall for a special podcast to talk about Disney musicals. And I'm here with Carrie Hishin and Greg Meisen. And all three of us have done or are working on Disney musicals uh, with original kits. Um, Greg, you're working on one right now. Tell everybody what it is. Uh, I'm working on Lion King Jr. How's it going? It is going swimmingly well. Uh, no, thoroughly enjoying it. We are at that about two weeks out from performance date, so there's always a little bit of, uh, you know, going on. But uh, everything is coming together. The costumes are brilliant. The cast is loving every minute, and I'm just having fun. So, that will it ever be right moment? Yeah. And you have a rehearsal this afternoon, don't you? I do indeed. Yes, I do. Thank you for giving up your time. And Carrie, you have one on the go. What is it? I am currently directing Disney's Tarzan, and it is the full-length Broadway musical uh, starring Josh Strickland. Um, I've got 29 senior kids from the ages of, they're grade 8 to grade 12, and they are awesome. We just started rehearsals a couple weeks ago. We don't perform until the last week of May, so it's interesting we were talking just before the broadcast and I was saying, oh, we just did a first read-through of some of the lines and Greg was laughing because he's basically ready to present the show. Mm -hmm. So we're at two very different parts of uh, our rehearsal process, but it is so much fun. I've got a killer cast and I can't wait to get it up on its feet and and, uh, swinging through the Spreet Family Theatre. All puns intended. This is a bucket list show for you, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, I never actually saw the Broadway version. I've seen videos and I've talked to lots of people and I'm obsessed, obsessed with the soundtrack. It's all Phil Collins music. It's so good. And uh, my co-workers at Original Kids uh, tease me because basically it's all I talk about right now. Uh, but I like to think that I'm just showing my enthusiasm for the show. That's nice when you get to do a bucket list. Was this a bucket list for you? Um, it would have been on a bucket list. However, uh, I was not aware that it was even available. I think this was something that uh, Original Kids managed to snag. I, I may be wrong, but it may actually be the Canadian premiere of, of this particular version. So uh, this was brought to me. Um, so luckily, I got the bucket list show before it landed on my bucket list. <laughs> That's funny because uh, both Carrie and I heard rumors of it a long time ago in in its uh, approach to the season. Now, I'm working on a show as well. It's not a Disney show, but it does involve a princess. I'm working on Once Upon a Mattress. Um, but we've each of us combined have done a whole pile of either direct from Disney or Disney-related shows. So I'm just going to list some of them, and you guys make sure you chime in if I miss any. Uh, Carrie and I worked on Little Mermaid Jr., we also did Peter Pan. Amazing. Yes, that was a really cool group. Well, so was Little Mermaid. Yeah. We used that boat twice. We did, yeah. To good effect. Yep. Um, and then I did a production of Winnie the Pooh Kids that I expanded with poetry and songs from A.A. A. Milne. And a long time ago, I did 
uh, Jungle Book kids. And it's really hilarious because Sophie Flores, who is my SMAD, stage manager, assistant director, for the show I'm doing now, was in Jungle Book like a billion years ago. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, Greg, you're doing Lion King now. Carrie and I have each have done versions of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I've designed violence uh, and done stage combat for a production of Beauty and the Beast Jr. and the full-length Beauty and the Beast, actually in the same year with two different companies. Okay, that must have hurt your head. Um, and I choreographed the full Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast a number of years ago, which had the original kids now artistic director in the role when he was my student uh, and also with my husband I did the violence and the um, Rose Illusion built that for for the show and then you've done uh, Greg you've done Cinderella but not the Disney version and Rapunzel also not a Disney version nope. but uh, both were um, in fact Rapunzel there was a lot of uh, Disney references and looking into that. In fact, there was one whole sequence where Rapunzel was singing about how much she wished she could be like all of those other princesses. So, in, in fact, I think I had more princesses uh, in uh, a single show than probably any of you. <laughs> you probably did. I remember that number. That was a hysterical little moment. Um, I'm actually really excited to come and see both of your shows because I have seen Lion King, the, the Broadway version, and I'm excited to see all the puppets and the costumes. I never saw Tarzan. Um, it, it wasn't something that would intrigue me, but I'm excited to see how you're going to make him fly around the Spirit Theater. Um, <laughs> secrets. We got we got ideas. We got secrets, but no zipline. I'm so mad. I have been wanting a zipline at Original Kids for six years, and you keep saying it. I, I will, it will never happen. No. One Maybe one day we'll get it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do Spider-Man one day. Oh, my and God. And then it'll happen. That would be amazing. Such a terrible show, though, Carrie. We're I not know, doing it. I know. It was, Don't even. It was Don't so even. bad. Okay, so we're going to talk about the pluses of getting a Disney show landed in your lap or requesting it or whatever. Um, so anybody want to chime in on the, on the pluses of doing something that is written by Disney and packaged up and sent to you? I think um, for me, I mean... It, when it was the words Lion King were said to me, um, my excitement level just went through the roof. Um, and your voice in your head went, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yep. Uh, and I think part of it was there there wasn't really a, a need to familiarize myself with the material. A lot of that comes, it, it's right there. You know, yes, you go back, you revisit things, you you look at how things were done. Uh, but it, it comes with a built-in excitement, whether it's um, you, your cast, your, your crew, your, your designing team. Um, everyone comes with this excitement already built in around it. You don't have to generate that the same way as you do with shows that may not be as familiar to some of the others. That is so totally true. When I did the Winnie the Pooh, uh, even though it might seem like a really childish story to choose and to try to act out. And I had some kids who were a little bit older, they didn't care. They were super stoked to be playing those roles and to be those iconic characters and see how we were going to dress them up and, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Disney, uh, we also know that Disney holds a special place in your heart, Carrie. Talk about that. Yes, I am a Disney aficionado um i've worked for disney no you're a disney geek you're a yeah. disney nerd <laughs> aficionado is too fancy 
I'm trying to be classy here. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Give it up. I have worked for Disney twice. Um, back in 2005, I did the international college program at Walt Disney World. So I lived in Florida for three months during my in between my third and fourth year of university. And it was amazing. I worked on Main Street USA in the Magic Kingdom. And I got to wear a gorgeous plaid, brown and blue plaid polyester dress that was sweaty as you know what but never wrinkled and I got to watch the Spectre Magic Parade like 76 times and it was just so much fun and then a couple years later I for some reason I don't know why this came to my head I decided that I wanted to work on a cruise ship and I got a job above aboard the Disney Wonder with the Disney Cruise Line um, which makes no sense to me because I actually don't swim <laughs> uh, you do swim I I've swum with you. I, I, I can swim. I'm just not well. I've never taken lessons. And, and, you know, on the cruise ship, there's an expectation that, you know, if the ship sinks or you need to evac evacuate, that you can, you know, save people. But I did pass the wet drill. So, you know, I, I can at least save people. I can write a lifeboat. <laughs> you can do the pointing in the right direction to I help can. people. The Disney point yeah. with two fingers. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just decided that this was going to be a fun adventure, so I got a job aboard the Disney Wonder. I worked uh, in the Bahamas for seven, seven months, and it was, again, an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to work with people all over the world for my favorite company in the whole wide world. And, and what could be better than that, to have the mouse pay your paycheck? <laughs> well, twice now we tried to organize an original kids junior trip yep. to Disney, and we came close. Um, maybe one day we will make it happen. So that's one thing that would be better. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing when you're trying to establish it for the first time because um, we've, we've taken original kids to New York City for years and years and years and that trip is established and, and uh, it's very, very exciting. But uh, because we've never taken kids to Disney before, this is a new venture and people are always a little hesitant for, to want to try something for the first time and be the first group, the prototype group. And uh, everyone's always like, oh, this sounds great, but I'll go next year but they don't realize that you have to have a first year to have a next year. That's okay. I have a plot in mind what it's going to be, and Greg, you're going to want to be a part of this. It's going to be PD for the artistic teams at Original Kids, and all of those kids can just stay home. What do you think of that, Greg? Well, you had me at Disneyland or Disney World because um, I've never been. I'll make sure you get there. I've never been. And, in fact, when, uh, when we were working on that, that first trip, I was... Um, uh, excited at one point and another point really disappointed because I knew I wasn't going to be able to go for the proposed dates and uh, but nope uh, I am on board excited and thrilled if it would be happened again you've got me on board well I actually have been working with uh, another Disney nerd friend of mine um, to develop with with Disney actually um, PD for teachers because it's something that they have not thought of before. Can you imagine that? So I hope you're listening, Disney. <laughs> Make it happen. Anyway, so um, other great things about doing a Disney show, aside from it being accessible, like you said, um, and so easy to get into, it's like you have a, a built-in audience, right? And, like, I don't know. Have you checked, Carrie? How are the ticket sales doing for Tarzan and Lion King? Lion King is selling like hotcakes. 
Um, if you don't have your tickets for it yet, you're going to be sitting in the back row or missing the show. I did check because I know I want to see this. I might have to squeeze into the spotlight seat sometime if that's okay with you, Greg. Because um, I'm not sure if my husband can go, so I can't pick a date yet. But yeah. I've already booked my ticket. I actually, because I realized I'm going to New York over March break. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to see this. So I went in and I pulled a ticket for myself already. So I'm in the back corner because I don't want to take away the good seats from the paying audience. I like the back corner. It's a great spot. Right? Yeah, I like it because you get to see, you get a full overview of the stage. There's there's advantages to being up close and personal. You get really close detail. You get to see everything. You're, you feel like you're part of the action. But I really like having the full scope of it. And, and Disney shows have a real sweeping sense of bigness, of, of, of just, I can't even think of the word right now. It, it's just, there's... Scope. Scope, yeah, that's it, that's it. They have such a huge scope that you want to be able to see the whole thing and really experience the whole thing. So, I don't know, maybe you need to see the show twice. So, when you go into work next, you're going to pull the seat that's beside you so that I can see it with you? She's nodding. Nodding works great for radio. (laughs) All right. Um, So, let's talk about some of the not-so-great things about doing a Disney show. I mean, I'm sure there's loads of people out there listening who would be like, what, there's more great things about doing a Disney show? Yeah, there are. I think some of them are really self-explanatory but there's a lot of challenges that people probably don't realize Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go to you first Greg. Um, For me one of the ones uh, that you really face going in is that um, as a director I do like to bring a a personal flavor or uh, my own kind of vision to something and that's a lot harder to do with a Disney show. Uh, I mean number one you, you can't really make changes to the script you can't um, play with the characters and, and working with a company like original kids where you don't cast it openly you get a group assigned to your show and you have to work w- with that group um, sometimes can be quite a challenge when you have uh, a, an incredibly large cast and are working with a show similar to the Lion King where you've only got a, a very select number of lead characters um, and sometimes sort of uh, aligning your vision with what people's expectations are, uh, with the cast expectations, uh, you get a lot of pushback saying, well, my character doesn't do that. And you're, well, you know, you're, we're not doing the movie. And in fact, looking at Lion King specifically, there's many differences between the movie and the stage show. Right. Uh, there's changes in songs, there's um, addition, additional songs that weren't included in the movie. Uh, some of them, yes, were in Lion King 2. Uh, and so uh, sometimes it's you know, a little bit kind of hard to reconcile that idea you have as a director versus what uh, other expectations are. Yeah, I had some interesting challenges and pluses with Winnie the Pooh um, because the, the established script from Disney is actually based on uh, Winnie the Pooh story that I did not know. And it was based on a much more recent film that a lot of my cast knew. And of course, I went and I found it and I watched it, so I, I then knew it. But I w- originally chose this story because I expected I would get old Winnie the Pooh, you know, more original Disney Winnie the Pooh stuff material to work with. It's based on the, one of the movies, like Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh or, yes. or something like that. Yes. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of the monster that they imagine that that is. That's right, the Baxen. Oh my (laughs) gosh, what a funny sequence. But there was no Baxen when I grew up. I I had no idea what this thing was when I first got the script. Um, So that was a challenge. But then the other half was that it was too short of a show for what we run at Original Kids. So I was able to, 
this became a positive, I was able to really expand a very limited cast, opposite to your troubles, and find loads of ways to feature a bunch of people who would normally not have gotten a moment. Um, but then the whole expectation of the audience came up that I did not want to dress my beautiful preteen girl, she might have even been 13 at the time, I'm not sure, in a big stuffed bear suit with ears and a tail. Uh, so I took a page out of your book, Carrie, <laughs> and I did a, some Disney-bound searching, and we dressed in the style of, which is very popular in Disneyland and Disney World. People dress sort of in the colors of a character and the flavor of a character. Without and wearing a costume. Exactly. And she was the most beautiful young blonde girl, and she put her hair up in buns on the sides of her head, and it was her ears, and it was absolutely perfect. Claire was so cute but but she also didn't feel like she was being a little kid you know yes. she was Winnie the Pooh but she also felt good about right. it right I mean she was she was still able to be attractive and be herself within a role yep. but there were audience members who were upset because I guess they expected they were going to show up and see Disney on ice and like the massive licensed Disney costumes and and they accused us of not spending our budget money, which was <laughs> kind of ridiculous, because it was a vision, like you were saying, Greg. It was a, a stylistic approach. Um, and the young actress who played Rabbit, she looked so elegant. And the, my actress who played uh, Owl, she looked like this classic, amazing librarian. They, I thought they looked fantastic. Yeah. But some audience members pushed back on that. Have you had those those experiences, Carrie, or other negative things you'd like to highlight? Well, it's it, it that's exactly kind of what you've touched upon is that there's there's expectations. You come in with your own expectations of the show um, that you might not realize that you're like, oh, well, in the movie they did this or the the Broadway they did this, but you have to remember that it's 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 live, so you can't do you physically cannot do some of the things that you that the, they do on stage or on the like film. swim or fly or eat a hyena or. <laughs> Because when we did Little Mermaid, um, obviously we don't, we're not going to pour water into the spreet. So we, the girls who are playing the mermaids, you have to see their feet. You have to see their legs. Um, our actress playing Ariel had a gorgeous mermaid fin skirt that was magically ripped off during her transformation. But when she knelt down, choreographically, choreographically it was amazing, with some lighting, incredible, you know, special effects. But when she knelt down at different places, you could see her little toes peeking out. And when she walked, you could see them. And, and, and then for our mermaid sisters, rather than put them in tails, we came up with a, an idea that they wore uh, leggings with a matching tank top in their mermaid color with uh, disco ruffles around their knees. And that was their those were their tails um, and choreographically they were able to do so much more stuff but then people were like oh they have legs and I was like no you have to suspend your disbelief you know you have to think practically in terms of how your actors can move you know if your actors can't move their legs they can't dance and it's less important I think for Ariel because she's got so much more to do within the show so she doesn't necessarily have to dance she has people dance around fish dance around her um, we, we had some pushback and we had some confused costume mom faces that first time when, when I said, um, they have to be able to do a cartwheel, so you can't put them in a tight mermaid skirt. Are you having any of those issues with Lion King? Uh, we have lots of those issues with Lion King. Uh, I mean, we are playing 
animals. This this is a show entirely uh, where the characters are animals. There's no human element uh, that exists in this. And we also have, uh, yes, an incredibly large and talented ensemble who have to play some of them five and six different characters. Um, you know, they're they're grass in one scene, they're uh, a gazelle in another, they're part of a, a three-person elephant in another scene, uh, and you know, then they're plants in the jungle as things come alive, and um, some of these have very quick changes between what the ensemble needs to do, and so um, because you can't have everyone coming out in a, a full lion outfit, uh, luckily, of course, looking at what Julie Taymor did with uh, the original Broadway production, it's really given us ideas of ways that you can suggest grass, grass or suggest um, animal uh, movement and we're doing a lot of mask work, uh, little bits of puppetry here and there, um, but it, incredibly difficult when you sort of say, yes, this is what I want to your costume team and then, then you turn around and say, yes, but they also have to do leaps during in the air and uh, trust falls and stage violence and, you know, all kinds of fun things. Are you going to have enough room backstage for all that stuff? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, luckily, um, they're not full costume changes. We're going with real sort of adding pieces here and there to, to make suggestions and ideas. So the whole cast is uh, generally in a base costume that we add things onto because you're right, there's no way we uh, could have stored all the costumes. And as it is, I think there'll be a team that moves the things that are no longer used in Act 1 and probably has to bring things in that will be coming in for the second act of the show. And being the March break show, you can do some overflow into the rehearsal hall, most like. At times certain shows you can the evening shows for sure but during the day for matinees we have our kidlets camp Oy. so there's a whole bunch of five to seven year olds running around in the rehearsal hall at the same time so it will take some creative work but wow. you guys will be able to do it for sure <laughs> the one plus side to that as far as space goes is the way we've put the show together um, most of the ensemble is on stage for a good chunk of the show so you don't have uh, like with other shows you don't have a, a huge number of actors hanging around backstage so yeah um, when I did Jungle Book I was really lucky at it I had a big cast like 30 or something like that it was big but I don't think anyone played a whole pile of parts and they all did have a base costume but once they became whatever their animal was they they stayed in it and I had some really creative parents helping out with the costumes for that like there was just the role of the snake but I made it seven actors which was so much fun they had loads of fun putting that costume together yeah it's Disney's are fun but like then you got to be a teacup and a fork and a lion and a or, or 27 gorillas 27. Oh, we have 27 gorillas in Tarzan. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, of course, we have a wildebeest stampede in The Lion King. That, in fact, the way it's choreographed, uh, uh, Andrea Gittens has done it so that the audience pretty much shakes as as the uh, wildebeests are coming in. it's um, It really quite got me when I was sitting watching it being done at one point. It, uh, oh. yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. effective. Nice. <laughs> Similar thing in Tarzan because we have when the gorillas originally come on stage mm -hmm. and scare the uh, the 
the Tarzan mother and father. Sure. Um, they have leaps and, and jumps, and they're all coming out on all fours. And again, our choreographer, Lindsay Runhart, has done some amazing stuff. It's all um, African dancing that's been adapted to be all in basically second position right. and squatting because gorillas obviously are lower to the ground. But right. it, it, the, the floor shakes, and it's amazing. It's such a cool feeling. I was filming uh, some of the choreography for a rehearsal video, and, and you can see the camera shaking up and down <laughs> where I am. <laughs> Do you guys have any other Disney shows that you would like to do, whether they exist as as producible shows right now or not? Because I have one. I I don't understand why the Robin Hood film is not a stage adaptation for kids. It it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. They would adore it. Um, Carrie, you immediately pointed to yourself. Yeah, I the the Disney show I want to do is not actually existing. I want to do Princess and the Frog. I love that film. It's Why is that not a I don't know. It's it doesn't need to be a Broadway show. It no. can be direct for kids. It's it's amazing and I just the music is incredible and I love New Orleans is on my bucket list of places to travel to, so I love that it's set in New Orleans and all like the the music is so good and the villain. Yeah. Oh, Facilier is my favorite Disney villain and he I would love to play that part, but you know, <laughs> I have some things going against me, but you know, um it, 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 that would be just such a juicy role I for someone. See you playing that part. <laughs> you would be nasty. What about you, Greg? Um, I I have to echo what you said. Robin Hood being probably one of my all-time favorite movies, um, definitely on on my list. Um, but just little things like I know there are versions of it out there. Um, but again, one of my favorite movies growing up was the Disney Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, right. and I would love to see something uh, done with that. Uh, I know the Grand has a version of it coming up that I'm very excited and curious to see. Um, but uh, just little things like that. Um, I'd also love to see uh, somehow do like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or, or Bed Knobs and Broomsticks as well, being some of these. Uh, see, now everyone thinks that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a Disney movie, and it's not. It's not. It's not. Oh. And uh, because it's Dick Van Dyke, so people think that it's a Disney movie. Um, and it is a Broadway show, but you do have to make a car fly. Um, I also, like, why is Snow White not an available product so for many kids? Parts. Yeah, there's so much. There, you got seven dwarfs right there. The witch could be two different actors. Oh yeah, right. The queen and then and the, the witch yeah. could also be a different part too. And you've got and all, the all the animals, animals like and the prince. And yep. the, yeah. Oh, the prince. Yeah, him too. <laughs> you know, they why? Like, come on, Disney. Are you listening? I love Snow Get off White. Your, or, I love Snow White. Or or just hire us, and we'll adapt them for you. Right? Yeah. I'm. Yeah, you can count me in on that one too. <laughs> The other one I would love to do, uh, I would love to have be a, a musical that people could do, that we could buy the rights to, is, is Finding Nemo. Um, that was Finding Nemo. <laughs> wow, that was rude of me. Anyway. Perfect timing. We're in a public place, Carrie. It's all right. Um, there is a, a version, uh, Finding Nemo, the musical, that is performed at Walt Disney World. Actually, two of my friends from the cruise ship are appearing in it as Nemo and Marlin, which is pretty cool. So I, I see pictures of them. I'm like, there's Jennifer, there's Justin. and uh, But I would love to do it at Original Kids because that would be fun. And again, tons of parts, yeah. so many roles, which would be perfect for a huge cast like we do at Original Kids. Actually, we were kind of dreamcasting it the other day with this original kid's staff, too. 
as a staff show and how fun that would be if we could do that as a fundraiser or something like that. You're happy to be doing Tarzan because it's Phil Collins. I would love to do Oliver and Company because it's Billy Joel. Look at Greg's face. Could you see Greg's face on the radio? If you could, what would it be saying right now, Greg? Yes. <laughs> so you could direct and I could be the choreographer. How's that? Done. Okay. So we will adapt that sucker. Um, I'd like to do Aristocats and 101 Dalmatians stuck together as a combo show. Because that exists right now. Um, you know, but there's the, the library of Disney stuff is just so huge. But... Uh, yeah. Oh, get on it, guys. Or just hire us. That's even better. Just hire us. Then I can yeah. be a Disney employee again. <laughs> we can all be cast members. Working for the mouse. And then we just have to go to Disney World frequently for yeah. research purposes. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's, it's research. She's saying it mockingly, but I don't know why she's saying it mockingly. It's totally legit, isn't it? <laughs> Entirely. I'm just thinking of ways that I can write it off for tax expenses and everything. It's... <laughs> They'd have to pay us to get there, so it wouldn't be an expense, Greg. Like, <laughs> come on, think the right way around. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Well, whatever show you're directing, you'd have to have a souvenir of that show. Of yeah. Or like a themed shirt. Or, Absolutely. Or a dress. You have to be able to go into rehearsal costumed head to toe representing the show that you're working yeah, on. Yeah, I may, have, may or may not have done that for Peter Pan. <laughs> and Little Mermaid. And Little Mermaid. I bought you a sparkly scarf. Yep. And I had the dress. Yeah. yeah, we did it. What are you going to wear to opening night of Lion King? I do have an outfit picked out already. However, it will be a surprise. You forgot that I, I did spend three years living in Africa. So I lived in Zimbabwe for three years. And so uh, I do have a few ideas and things that I'll be coming in. It'll be very authentic, and I'm hoping it will sort of match some of the stylistic choices that we've made costume-wise. So. That rocks. <laughs> that rocks. So, um, yeah, Disney shows are great. They're amazing, but they're tough. But we highly recommend doing them. Yes. And sure. we want to do more of them. Lots more. Keep paying us to do these Disney shows. <laughs> as long as they keep making movies, we'll find ways to turn them into stage productions. And they have a whole pile that they haven't turned into stage productions yet, so... They need to, they need to get on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, start working Frozen the musical and Princess oh. and the Frog the musical. Frozen, we know, is coming. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's true. It's just going to take a long time to get to our level. Because it's yeah. going to have to finish on Broadway. Yeah, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. No. It's going to be one of those ones like Phantom of the Opera. It's going to be like Wicked, and it's going to run forever. Yeah, forever. I think. I think. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure talking shows with you guys, and it's even more a pleasure when we get to talk focused on Disney shows. So thanks for joining us on the podcast. That's the first time. Thank you for having me. It is uh, my first time both on this podcast and on any podcast. So, yeah. Well, we'll have to make sure it happens again. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And hey, if you want to comment on any of those other Disney shows that we didn't think about that should be turned into uh, stage shows, just do so on our website because we will pass that information on to anybody we know at Disney anywhere. (laughs) We're going to get this to happen. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on The Lovers, The Dreamers, and You. Thanks for joining us at The Lovers, The Dreamers, and You. We'd love to hear from you. And you can do that at theloversthedreamersandyou.com or by finding us on Twitter or Facebook. This has been a Luke Bainbridge production. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, and we'll see you next time for another edition of The Lovers, The Dreamers, and You. 
Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. We've done just what we've set out to do. Thanks to the lovers, the dreamers, and you. Oh.